Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Woman Being Podcast. Today, we are doing our very first episode of Not Your Mom's Book Club, where we review the highly, highly praised Educated by Tara Westover. So, today, I am drinking a mimosa because I'm a basic white girl, and that's okay. Ladies, what are you drinking? I'm drinking a hard kombucha uh, with... Fancy ice, not because I'm fancy, but because Kellyanne is, <laughs> and, and also because I'm a basic uh, hipster girl, I guess. <laughs> and I'm drinking red wine because I am classy as hell. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers, ladies. Welcome to the Woman Being Podcast community, where we explore thoughts and opinions and have the freedom to change our minds without expectation or judgment. We will hold a safe space and support each other as we navigate together in the form of feminine. So refreshing. I love me a good mimosa. (laughs) All right. So, ladies. Yes. Today we are talking about an incredible book called Educated by Tara Westover. So so we will be revealing a little spoiler, a few spoilers actually, not a little spoilers, most of the spoilers. So if you haven't read it and you want to be surprised, maybe pause, go read the book and come back in a couple weeks when you finished it. If you don't care, I still recommend you read it because it's really good. Um, So a quick summarization, essentially this book is a memoir Um, of this amazing woman's life. Her name's Tara Westover. She grew up in, is it Idaho? Mm -hmm. Idaho, rural Idaho, in a town that's very small. Mm -hmm. Um, Her parents were very um, devout Mormons, still are to this day, and she, they didn't believe in the government, essentially, so they didn't, she was raised as the youngest of seven children. She um, never went to school. She didn't, she doesn't have a birth certificate. Like, her mom is an herbalist. Um, I they, think she was the second youngest. Is it, she the second? second? Yeah. No? She was somewhere near the bottom, but she wasn't the youngest. Okay. Oh, she's not the youngest. Okay. Yeah, she definitely had a younger brother. Okay, yes. I remember now. That, mm-hmm. Thank you. Because, like, <laughs> I want I want to get it right. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so... It, very inspirational. Um, they didn't go to doctors, so anything that was wrong, they just went to their mom's kitchen and she'd whip up a tincture or something to help with whatever ailment they might have. It's a very fascinating story. Essentially, she discovers as she moves away and pursues higher education, she makes the correlation that her father probably has an undiagnosed bipolar disorder. Um So that's very interesting, and it kind of just follows along on her journey uh, as she becomes educated and unravels um, a lot of her upbringing and chooses beliefs for herself, which was very inspirational. So ladies, I would love for you to tell me about your experience reading this book. How, How was it for you? Did you enjoy it? How did it hit home? Well, for me, um, I read this book actually a year ago and um it stuck with me it was so good that I like bought it as gifts for Christmas my Christmas for family members and um I recommended it as a gift for people because it's just such a well-written 
enjoyable story mm-hmm. regardless. So it, it's a good read no matter what. Um, but beyond that, it's very relatable. I wasn't expecting it, but she she's living um, in a home with sort of doomsday parents mm-hmm. and, and a mom who does natural medicine and... In some ways, it almost it felt it hit a little too close to home. In some ways, like my, my family is beautiful and wonderful, and they're great people. So I don't necessarily want to compare them, but at the same time, I'm like, oh, we had those conservative views, and mm-hmm. we also thought the world was ending, and you know, we very natural medicine, and so there's a lot of things that I related to in her story that um, just really resonated with me. So I loved it. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it as well. I feel like I had a bit of a hard time getting into it in the beginning um, because I didn't relate to it. <laughs> and it really wasn't until, it's like you you, you see Tara's life um, from a very young age. Uh, and there's all this time of her growing up on her family's property and um, all these experiences that she had that were very religious in some ways. Um, but that were also very sort of like isolationist. Mm -hmm. And uh, it wasn't until she started going to school, um, which the first time she set foot in a school, she was, what, 17? Mm -hmm. Um, And that was at her university. Uh, Once she started going to school and she started learning all these things, that was when I feel like I started to really resonate with the book um, and, and recognize like this process of breaking down all of the things that you had learned. Um, and even if it wasn't the same things that I broke down when I went to university, like seeing her do that that switch and that uh, that process of educating herself mm-hmm. uh, was, was really fascinating to me. And so then to also see the power of, um, of having somebody believe in you, mm-hmm. which was like a very, a very big theme in the book, um, whether from her older brother, Tyler, who um, wound up also pursuing an education and going to college. He was a bit older than her, and he uh, would encourage her to sit with him in his room and listen to music. And just listening to that music like awakened uh, a desire in her for, for more. And he, he helped to foster that just by believing in her and then by later encouraging her to uh, try to take the ACT and to try to get into college. And Um, then you see later with professors that told her like, Hey, you, um, I think that you could do this, this study abroad in Cambridge, or I think that you could go for this, this master's uh, degree or this, this doctorate, and I'm going to help you and help you to get what you need to do that. Um, you see the, the difference between her having these people that believed in her and then some of her other siblings not Mm. having that. Um, and the lives that they wound up with, which were still sort of under the dominion of of this father that you mentioned, who was not like he he it it is blatant from the book that he has mental instability. Mm-hmm. Um, and seeing the the fact that he has so many people under his 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 net of control mm-hmm. um, and and seeing her break down the walls of that control um, mm-hmm. and recognizing, even still, it seems as though uh, she hints that she still has traumas left over from that and all these yeah. things. Um, but yeah, those were sort of my initial thoughts of like why I liked the book and yeah. why I enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah. 
I love that. I also um, really resonated and understood um, specifically the part of of what she talks about. Like, she doesn't name it specifically, but it feels like this piece of her keeps rising up in conflict against her father, who clearly wants to have incredible, unhealthy control over not just her and her siblings, um, but everyone really in their life. Um, I resonated with that a lot. I had a very similar dynamic with my dad, not to the extreme that Tara had with her father, but for myself, I, I really understood that, that like, no, I actually need to be my own person and make my own choices and think my own thoughts. Um, and I also really understood, um, how she kind of grew up not necessarily being taught how to think but being taught what to think and as an adult I've called it my great unlearning Um, and it's kind of a process of unraveling and it's very painful and it can be very traumatic to walk through those things but essentially for your for the best Um, and it feels so unnatural and that's what I love towards the end of the book how she talks about like essentially just going through crazy amounts of depression she almost um she almost isn't able to finish her phd because she had such a hard time with being um separated from her family and essentially disowned and they're just like she was kicked out of the family essentially and so um i really enjoyed it i really loved it um and thought it was an incredible read i thought it was very easy read so even though it's highly esteemed, um, it wasn't. It was wasn't hard. Like there was, it was well worded, but it was worded simply, which I appreciated. Um, so anyone out there that's like, oh, I want to write, but I just don't know how to start, read educated because it will open your eyes to how um, you can use simple words, but word it, put them together eloquently, and it's a stunning, stunning book. So. Um, So I would be curious to know, did this book bring anything up inside of you that you needed to process? Um, Was there a quote-unquote trigger from anything that was in the book for you guys? I mean, yes. (laughs) I mean, it's triggering on a lot of levels because it's it's a conservative Mormon culture, so it's not quite the same as, you know, the Christian experience, but... Um, you see a lot of the same themes in how women are treated and expected mm-hmm. to behave. And obviously it's a more extreme example, but when you hear it from somebody else's perspective, it's almost like you're quicker to defend your friend than you are yourself. Mm-hmm. And so when you hear something or read something and you're you're defensive of her as you're listening, mm-hmm. um, it kind of brings up these things as like, oh, I've allowed people to treat me that way and I've accepted those establishments as normal mm-hmm. um and so i mean that was very captivating and that, that was a huge trigger mm-hmm. Espe- especially the the doomsday stuff is yeah. back in the early 2000s that was a very prominent theme yep in that christianity is like people were like oh yeah the world's ending it's jesus all, is it's coming all gonna burn. the signs are clear it's happening mm-hmm. and so there's kind of this like lack of ability to grow into a human and think futuristically because you're in survival mode mm-hmm. all the time yeah um, and you're kind of unsure if any of your dreams actually even matter because the world's ending yeah so absolutely those or two things were huge for me through an extension even if 
you matter, essentially. I mean, I don't know about you. I had that definitely because yeah. my parents were also very um, kind of doomsday preppery and like, yeah, that was kind of a talk and belief in our house. And I don't, it might not be my parents' belief anymore, but it was yeah. very interesting as a child because then it was even like, well, why would I even move away to go to school? Like, what's the point? Mm-hmm. Like, shouldn't mm-hmm. I just stay in Oklahoma and just wait for Jesus to come back? And it's mm-hmm. kind of, I I think I really commend her in the book for pushing past that and being like, you know what? I'm still going to choose myself, even though I have this belief that yeah. the world's going to end. Well, and that's, I mean, especially kudos to her. She she spent her entire childhood with no formal education. Yes. Zero form. She knew how to, she was taught how to read Mm -hmm. and how to do some basic math. And, and that was like, that was it. And she she had like one history book that she was allowed to read. And she walked in to BYU Mm -hmm. and got a degree Mm -hmm. and, and walked out of Cambridge with a PhD. Mm -hmm. And so that to me speaks to the value of um, being a learner Mm -hmm. at any, at any point in life. Mm -hmm. You don't, just because you're behind doesn't mean yeah. You don't have a, a track ahead of you. Um, yes. So uh, very inspirational in terms of, like, her grit. Yes. And, um, you know, resoluteness moving forward. Yes, I agree. Yeah. And one of the things that I wouldn't necessarily call it a trigger, I don't know, but definitely something that uh, put a fire in me as I read it, you know. <laughs> Sounds that, like a trigger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, is this sort of uh, idea that you start to see unfold, especially later on in the book, of revising history. Mm. Um, You see, first of all, uh, her talking about how she's learning for the first time about things like the Holocaust and Mm -hmm. slavery. And there's a statement in the book where she says that her history book said that uh, the slaves were essentially better off in the situation that they were in. Um, when mm. there was slavery, uh, and and then you also see that she what she learned uh, growing up was also that like that it was actually the the wealthy Jewish people that put their own people into concentration camps during the Holocaust, and those were very upsetting to me, especially coming from a southern state that had a lot of revisionist history in our textbooks, having to do with slavery specifically, and. Um, a place where that was not seen as uh, the cause of the Civil War or um, where racism no longer existed because everything was fine. Uh, that that was definitely something that, uh, that tugged on me. Um, and then also it's very interesting because you see uh, not only that she was raised in this environment of revising the history of the United States, but then you also see her family turn around and revise their family history. Mm. Uh, so, for example, uh, one of the ones that's probably the biggest one uh, is you see uh, her mother talk about an incident that happens with her older brother, Sean, uh, who is, during this incident, threatening Tara with a knife because she has has spoken up about the ways that he has abused her and uh her mother turns around and uh several weeks after this incident happened tells tara that uh sean never even had a knife mm-hmm. and has has self-revised and self caused self-delusioned 
uh, this this history of their family, and you see it with other incidences as well. Um, and that's just like it's something that I feel like I'm noticing more and more in the culture of the United States as we talk about things like politics and um, as there's been uprisings about race and um, as we're just going through a lot of turmoil. I think that that was very resonant to me to see uh, the ways that these things happen even on like very small scales. Mm. So, yeah, that's really good. Super good. I think that also you kind of touched on it, but even um, the mother's submissiveness was very hard for me to watch and to read um, because I think when you're in a family unit and you're just going along with something for the sake of keeping the peace, but you know it's actually not right, I actually think it's important for the good of the family to speak up. Um, and that is, uh, even my own history with my family, I tend to be the one that will be willing to upset the peace, not because you want to rock the boat, but because it's like, no, I actually see something that's not right. And I'm committed to this family enough to be uncomfortable and lean into that. And I loved getting to see Tara kind of unfold that a little bit and choose to step out, even though it's very scary. Um, and essentially, like, I mean, her life could have been on the line. When you think about it, really, her her brother was that um, demented and that, I mean, he, he was very ill. Mm. Um, and being from someone who also has a family history of mental illness, um, I can see, I, I understand a lot of the, the undertones and the narratives happening in the household. And so it, it was very, that was very challenging. But even touching on what you said, Kelly, like sometimes it's easier to see what's happening um, when it's, it's easier to name things when you're looking at someone else's story um, that you might not necessarily kind of touch on when it's your own. Um, it's easier to spot things be like, oh, that's abuse. Oh, that's control. Oh, that's, you know, fill in the blank. And then you can reverse it and look at your own story and be like, oh, I need to start filtering things through that lens Mm -hmm. um, to be my own advocate, essentially. Um, So there were parts that were very challenging for me as well. Um, I would love to know, do you have any critiques, any criticisms of the of the writing? I know um, we all come from different backgrounds, but it's always, you know, interesting to hear as well. Like, did you agree? Did you disagree with something? I mean, I wish it was longer. (laughs) (laughs) I wish you would write another one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I actually, I genuinely felt very, uh, like, jarred when the book ended. Yeah. It felt like, oh, okay, we're we're done. And it felt sort of abrupt. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I mean, maybe that's intentional. And I mean, her story is still being written. She's still a young woman who uh, is navigating the world. And mm-hmm. so I I mean, for this to be a memoir, it can't really keep going until she's lived more life. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it definitely was like abrupt to me for it to be ending. But um, one thing that was actually a something that I really respected about the book, which I guess isn't really a criticism or critique, is that uh, you, she acknowledges uh, inconsistencies within their stories. 
mm. uh, which I think is really important. Uh, she she brings up uh, times where she's recalling a story from her childhood, um, and she has talked to her siblings um, or to relatives uh, to uh, corroborate the story and uh, winds up with different versions. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think part of that is that sort of revisionist history that I was talking about, but also part of it is just that we can't fully trust our memory. Um, and that's a really interesting concept you see unfold in the book is is this idea of like, how do I know what I'm what I remember is reality? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you see Tara struggle with that a lot, especially as she sees her her family members rewrite history. She's like, am am I crazy? Like, am, am I the one who actually doesn't know what's going on? Like, she even calls herself at one point in the book, a wolf among sheep and, um, how she will always be seen in her family as this wolf among sheep. And I think that there's a big part of her that always wanted to, to be a sheep within mm-hmm. that, to be able to just follow along mm-hmm. and to be part of her family. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that, uh, that doesn't change that like her journey was really important and worth having and that it is amazing that she was able to stand against all of this uh, that she was facing and all the odds that were against her. Um, there's a quote that I want to reference mm. uh, that uh, has to do with this idea of her sort of uh, sitting in the gray um, as, as she's recognizing like, oh, we have these different memories. I don't really know what happened in these situations. Mm. Um, and it's on page 197 on the, of the book, in case wow. you're wondering, in the Kindle edition at least. Wow. <laughs> um, but it says, It is a frailty, but in this frailty there is a strength, the conviction to live in your own mind and not in someone else's. I have often wondered if the most powerful words I wrote that night came not from anger or rage, but from doubt. I don't know. I just don't know. Not knowing for certain, but refusing to give way to those who claim certainty was a privilege I had never allowed myself. My life was narrated narrated for me by others. Their voices were forceful and emphatic, emphatic, absolute. It had never occurred to me that my voice might be as strong as theirs. And I love that quote, but um, Mm. because she's saying that the the most powerful thing in these circumstances where she's questioning herself where she's questioning her family was actually the fact that she was questioning and the fact that she was willing to say I don't know what's right here or I'm not sure what is happening um, but I'm not going to walk in a false confidence Mm -hmm. and I think we see people like her dad or her older brother Sean walk in this um sort of arrogance and this this false confidence where uh they sort of bulldoze through things and it's like whatever whatever I say goes and whatever I say must be right and I won't rescind that I won't look back and wonder if I was wrong I won't reevaluate that my word is the law Mm. um and I think that that is such a toxic (laughs) mindset and when we see people walking in a mindset like that that's dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that a lot of people think that things like doubt and uncertainty are dangerous, but they're actually powerful. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's so important when you come up against people who are so certain about what they're saying to to realize that, oh, wait, just because they seem certain, mm-hmm. like I can trust my gut in my own mind and um, 
people don't have that kind of power over me mm-hmm. as a human. I, yeah. I can form opinions on my own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's super powerful. And I loved what you touched on how, I mean, she does it multiple times in the book. She actually is like, this person's account of this event is XYZ. My account is different. Here are the different accounts. And here are all the possibilities, which I actually appreciate. She came at it from a very um, studious perspective, but at the same time not denying her own experience and her own trauma, which I think is something for someone who's been through so much trauma, that is super powerful because your mind will make choices to protect you. Like you, your body is literally making choices to protect you and I think that's beautiful and amazing um and but at the same time I love that she hosted space for both she's like this is my experience this is everyone else's you decide and I'm like wow she is really willing and um uh hosting space for that tension and I really appreciated that and she didn't discount other people's yeah experience it it makes me trust her as a narrator yes. you know that was something I was thinking about a lot in the beginning of reading this book where it's like she is putting sometimes putting oftentimes actually putting her family members in a negative light right um so I'm like okay if she's saying these things how can I trust her as a narrator mm-hmm. what can I look to to say that I'm willing to trust what she says about these people versus maybe what they would say about themselves um, and also it all comes down to like, I don't know these people, you know, so I can't mm-hmm. fully trust them in any way or really know anything about them. But uh, I think that added to the trust that I had for her as yeah. I was reading the book. Yeah. And I love that honesty, too, of like for myself, I know like I've had a lot of um, history with my family, some good, some bad love is there and you know, I hope to work towards a better relationship continuously with them all. Um, but I loved that she was actually willing to still say those hard truths mm-hmm. because for myself, I still find it hard to say negatives, anything negative about my family, even though it's like, yeah, this is, this is true. Mm-hmm. Um, I really actually appreciated that because I know that could not have been easy yeah. to write. Cause yeah, because she still has so much love for her family. She loves her family. And that, I and think, was evident. what was most powerful to me at the end of this book is that having walked through what she walked through, like, serious abuse and neglect, mm-hmm. like, very serious things, um, she can say, no, I still choose my family. And even though we have differences, my preferred outcome is reconciliation. Mm-hmm. And I think I mean, that that's just unbelievably powerful Mm -hmm. she I mean in some ways you have to set boundaries with people who are toxic and Mm -hmm. she does have to do that and she has people in her life who encourage her to do that but um she doesn't dismiss them like they don't matter Mm -hmm. it's very clear that her family and and family in general is an important value in her life and I love how she navigates dealing with the tension of that yeah I think what was very challenging for me as well towards the end, she explains going back home for a funeral and you see the two narratives that have played out in her family. Um, Essentially, her mom started 
making essential oils and started a business and now it a is miracle salve a you can miracle buy it online <laughs> i think what is it blue butterfly yeah i don't remember the website name but i either. actually know someone who uses it yeah which is wild to me to yeah like just the the real life interaction world. that yeah. i've had yeah it is it is and nothing like, against my friend who used it i mean right whatever. that would totally <laughs> be great right? yeah yeah it could be awesome um so her her mom starts this essential oil business essentially mm-hmm. and it takes off and is wildly successful and they have employees that work out of their home and anyway all these things and she goes home for a funeral and it's one of the first times I think she's with her family all together since people started leaving to go to school um, and she herself left and you see um, her and her brother Tyler and one other brother that I forget the name of Luke Was it, it might have been Luke I'm not sure <laughs> um, they all pursued higher education, and all three have... No, Luke didn't. Luke did not. Richard. Richard. The Sorry. oldest. <laughs> no. No, Wait, second the oldest? Old... <sighs> I think Richard might have been the youngest. R- Richard, Richard was the one that was really youngest. smart. I felt like yes. he... Who the, like, the dad wanted him to go to college. Oh, okay. But I don't remember who else it was. I'm sorry. I don't know. Was... She had, like, a million siblings. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to keep track. And so, essentially, though, three of the siblings moved away against their father's wishes um to pursue higher education and all three ended up with a ph with phds um and the other four siblings all stayed in their small town uh married had another like millions of children and they all still work for um the family um not just the the children but also their spouses mm-hmm. and so they're financially dependent on uh this fam their parents business essentially and um even though probably almost all of them have had abuse experiences and know something's wrong with dad and all these things they actually choose to not acknowledge that so that they can continue in their lifestyle and maintain the peace and that was very eye-opening for me because um, there were two very distinct paths. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just really intriguing. Yeah. I mean, you see that with uh, her sister, Audrey, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who um, starts to decide to bring to light the abuses their older brother, Sean, had had put upon them. And, and the instant that there was any sort of retaliation from the family, she writes Tara off as mm-hmm. if Tara was the one who is this sort of demon-possessed wolf among yeah. the sheeps who is leading yeah. them astray. And um, you also see, like, the the father, um, in the beginning of the book, he has a scrapping business, right? He, he resells owns scrap metal, owns a junkyard, yeah. and, and essentially makes money that way. And their mother didn't really make that much money. Um, but once she has this business that takes off uh, and... Uh, is is really getting big you s- even see their father start to take control of that business mm-hmm. um, because his his prerogative is control mm-hmm. right um, and he does things like like firing her employees um, or even I think that there's one of the spouses of of one of their children gets fired because the father decided 
that he didn't like what they did or that mm-hmm. he didn't like something about them and and he does that without the consult of the mother who's the one who started this entire business yeah. so it's it's very interesting to see that um sort of this this power struggle. yeah this this yeah. this power struggle mm-hmm. where like even and and the wife allows that to happen yeah. she's she's she is a powerful woman you see that in the beginning of the book the ways that she truly like has a presence about her mm-hmm. and that she is capable um but she's she's so just enamored and drawn into this this man that she's married that uh she allows that power to be stripped from her yeah it's very heartbreaking and i think again i can i can see both sides because i'm like oh you are genuinely in self preservation mode mm-hmm. You're well, handing over your power because you're trying to protect yourself, even though essentially the only thing that you could do to protect yourself is keep that power. Sure. Yeah. But, but you know, when power gets taken away, people get upset. And yeah. you, you don't, I mean, having read the book, you don't necessarily want to see Gene Westover upset because he's he's a force and he's a dangerous force. Yeah. And he retaliates. And it's, yeah. I get the fear. But it's also, I think, more than that, it's also insecurity in herself. Mm-hmm. And, and, religious oppression yes she doesn't believe that she's meant to be anything more than a wife and mother and she just happens to have been handed this calling from god to to make these healing uh remedies yeah yeah Yeah. and so she just you know humbly walks on her way while he walks all over her which is so sad and that's something i feel like we see in unfortunately in christian culture again and again is that women are just if they are blessed to have a calling from god other than a mother and a wife and a good church member um then it is it is still really run by men it really is it's for the benefit of her husband or her father well actually they brought that up i have a really a passage that i want to bring up um where she's in conversation with someone that she's studying with at byu he's getting a law degree Who's also Mormon, right? Yes. And so she's trying to figure out, because she has all these desires in her heart and interest in learning and and growing and doing things that are impactful. But she's also holding in tension her femininity and what that means in the Mormon church. So she asks him, if you were a woman, would you still study law? Josh didn't look up. He says, if I were a woman, I wouldn't want to study it. But you've talked about nothing except except law school for as long as I've known you, I said. It's your dream, isn't it? It is, he admitted, but it wouldn't be if I were a woman. Women are made differently. They don't have this ambition. Their ambition is for children. And he smiled at me as if I knew what he was talking about. And I did. So that resonated with me so deeply because I don't even know how many different career paths or roles that I've just have just been infused into my thinking of of what I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to look like that I've just Mm -hmm. allowed to direct my path yeah and then and then being an ambitious hardworking woman Mm -hmm. I've obviously come up against things where I'm like this isn't what it's supposed to look like am I wrong Mm -hmm. is there something wrong with me Mm -hmm. because she then follows up to ask him she's like well what if you were a woman, but you still did have those ambitions? And he goes, well, then I would know something was wrong with me. Hmm. And so I, I wonder how many women out there have a calling from the Lord, have, you know, intrinsic 
value that they're meant to output. Mm -hmm. But instead of um, fostering that and, and letting it come out as they were designed, they they believe that something's wrong with them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I bet it's far beyond what it, what we think it might be. And not just Christians, like any sort of religious or yeah. oppressive system. Yeah. Yeah. I it's mean, so which is most systems, <laughs> really, yeah. in terms of oppression yeah. of women, suppression of the female voice. But uh, that also makes me think of another passage in the book, which I'll just read. <laughs> I'll just Bring read the whole book to you guys. <laughs> right if I would, I could. Um, yeah. If, you if could, I could, I would. would. Yeah. <laughs> it's the wine, people. Yeah, it's, just it's, vi- it's fine. We're not. We're, we're doing great, and we're very coherent. <laughs> um, she says on page 259 of the book. Kindle version. <laughs> um, of the Kindle version. Uh, from the moment I had first understood that my brother Richard was a boy and I was a girl, I had wanted to exchange his future for mine. My future was motherhood, his fatherhood. They sounded similar, but they were not. To one, he, he, to one was to be a decider, to preside, to call the family to order, to be the other was to be among those called. It's so funny that you brought up that passage because that was the other one I had saved. <laughs> so yes, they tie together it's so really good. Well. They do. Yeah. And it actually makes me think of um, a lecture done by uh, Jane Elliott, who is a big proponent um, against racism and white supremacy. And uh, obviously this is about... Uh, womanhood but in this lecture she uh, has everybody raise their hand if they would rather be a black person than a white person and nobody raises their hand and she says this is a sign that there is an issue with society that you recognizing that there is an inherent disadvantage um, that is implemented into our society to being a person of color. And I'm seeing the same thing here of there is an inherent disadvantage in society to being a woman. Um, and it's it's trivial, but it's something that's been implanted yeah. into religions, mm-hmm. into our constitution, into yeah. so many things. Um, and uh, yeah, like it's 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 so sad, but it's also... It's honest and it's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, actually, that you bring that up, I remember in college, I was, you know, we all deconstruct things in college. Let's be mm-hmm. real. I remember sitting down with my my husband and uh, one of his good friends, and I was like, okay, but what's better about being a woman than being a man? Mm-hmm. And and neither of them could come up with an answer. Yep. They had no answer for me. Like, in their mind, it's better to be a man. And I don't even know how many times in my life I thought, like, this would be so much easier if I were a man. Yep. But, you know, stronger, smarter. Yep. You know, more advantage. More Get paid opportunities. more. Get paid yeah. more. No one like, questions you. Yeah. <laughs> you and, can and, say and do whatever you want, essentially. And that, Especially and that to me, man. proves that all of those, you know anecdotes about how oh a woman is a nurturer and she's mm-hmm. she's meant to be a mother to the home and yep. and a, a caregiver that's not a, that's not valued in our society no if it was valued men would be wishing that they could do that job yes but they're not yes it's so true and yeah i i really had to process I mean, earlier on in my, when I moved out here, started going to school, um, I genuinely believed my dream was to um, have children. 
but I was also very ambitious and very driven and oh I gosh, wanted <laughs> I wanted to be in business. I wanted to be the person the the person in the boardroom making the decisions, making the presentations. And now, you know, thankfully I have, you know, elevated in my business career. But um and then one day, uh, my now husband and I were just talking and he was like, yeah, I don't know if I want kids. And I remember being so gutted and I was like, what do you mean you don't want children? But then what are we doing? What is like, my purpose? Exactly. Exactly. And I, you know, I sat on it and now I realized, you know what? Like my life is really good. I don't know if I want kids. And you know what? That doesn't say anything about me as a woman. It doesn't mean I'm broken. It doesn't mean something's wrong with me. And you know what? Maybe one day we will have children. Mm -hmm. But he will probably be the one staying home and taking care of them. Not because I would force him to or he has to, but because he would choose to. Mm -hmm. And I would be the one continuing to go to work most likely. That's actually funny that you bring that up, too, because I remember being, like, 16 or 17, and mm-hmm. I already saw that. And I didn't have words for this, but I remember mm-hmm. telling – I was like, I don't know if I want kids. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, a teen, I'm like I'm a teenager. I don't, yeah. I don't see the value in that right now. Yeah. And the society – there is no value in that in our mm-hmm. society. There really is. I mean, like, in, on the superficial religious sense, yes. Like, we're giving it, like, oh, it's important to procreate and, you, you know, know fill your, the world. Yeah, fill the world with, and, you know, fulfill yeah. your destiny as... Because I have a, a woman. woman. Yeah, or something like that, <laughs> which is, again, it's undervalued. It is very valuable. I'm not trying to say that it, yes. it's not important. Moms, we love you. Yeah. You're amazing. It's, it is actually... But our society is not... It's a superficial value in our society yeah. is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And so I saw that from 17, and I didn't know know if I wanted kids. And it wasn't until I met Ross, and I met a man who wanted kids too, and not only that, wanted to put in the work yes. to have the kids too, that I was like, yep. oh, I could do that. Yep. Like, I could be in that, but I mean... Yeah, because you have a true partner. Yeah, but I'm not just the one at home, not taking yeah. a shower, not sleeping with chapped nipples. Yeah. Essentially like, a single mother. Yeah. Essentially a single mother. As, as a 16-year-old, it looked like a trap. I was like, well, I don't want that. Yeah, exactly. I was like, why would I be at home all day with little humans that can't talk yet and poop everywhere? Like, that doesn't sound fun to me. And it's here's like, I got thing. dreams. I got I places know to go, you know? Moms, like, it, when it's your kid, it's different. And there's so much beauty and value. But I always wanted to be the one to go to work and to provide. And that has manifested now into our current relationship. Like, I am the breadwinner in the home. Um, I am the one that, like, we could not get by without my salary. And for me, it is it is a privilege to be able to provide and I love that I get to do that and you really see her pulling on those narratives in the book and I was like living that reminds me of another quote that was in the book where Tara comes back from studying at Cambridge right this is Mm -hmm. a woman who has no education and she she she's self-made yes and so she comes back to her family to visit them and is helping her mom out in the kitchen with Mm -hmm. um with making food and, mm-hmm. you know, doing uh, the essential oils and stuff. And her dad her dad goes, who knew we'd have to send you to Cambridge to get you in the kitchen where you belong? Oh! 
Mm. I have that one highlighted too. It made me so mad. So angry. That was a trigger. Big trigger. Yep. So, anyways. That's really that. yeah. No, Just that's in really case good. anyone out there listening wanted to get really mad, <laughs> there well, you go. Yeah. And it's essentially insinuating like if you as a woman want to get anywhere, you have to be attached to a man. And it's like I went to uh, tour this school um, before I decided to move out to California one time, and uh, I was asked by a table of young women that were all attending the school as I was visiting. They were like, oh, what do you uh, want to study? What do you want to do? What makes you want to be here? And I was like, oh, I'm really interested in systematic theology. Um, I want to be in ministry, but I really want to pursue, you know, the theology sphere. And they were like, oh, you want to be in ministry? You should marry a youth pastor. Oh, cringy. And I, at like 17 years old, was Furious, And the friend I was there with, she was really kind and just was like, they didn't mean it. I was like, no, I mean, I know they didn't mean it, but they are essentially saying if I want to do anything, I need to be married to a man that is pursuing that same field because by myself, I won't get there. Well, props to you for recognizing that at 17 because I think if (laughs) someone would have said that to me at 17, I would have been like, I know, that'd be so great. Well, I mean, I hope that I marry someone who wants to be in... Sorry. Oh, your Minnesota accent. I was, yeah, I was like, there it I is. would just hope, you know, like that was that was the narrative. Yeah, That's what you totally. needed. You needed a spiritual leader in your life. Yeah. Well, I mean, how it wasn't. It, I had that, but I still thought my dream was to have children. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. but you know, you know, like, you give and take. But yeah. we all learn at different levels in different places. Yeah. So, and it's but. it's really it's really upsetting to think that the majority of society genuinely thinks like, oh, like you. If you want to be in ministry, you should marry. A minister. Yeah. Or maybe you need a husband. You need to be attached to a man. And I'm like, ugh, I'm good. But I found a very confident, amazing man that is okay with me making more money than him and (laughs) will probably stay at home with the children when we, slash if we have children. So I'm very grateful. But that definitely triggered me as well. I was like, "Mm -hmm, no. (laughs) Yeah. It's a good one. So I would love to hear, like, I mean, we've kind of naturally just guided ourselves into this, but I would love to hear what um, what your big highlights were for the book. Um, there are so many, but I would love to hear what your guys' thoughts were. Yeah. For me, okay, so like there was this one quote. Oh, sorry. There was this one quote uh, where I feel like it was a turning point for me in the book, and mm-hmm. I felt like, because you weren't convinced at first. Yeah, I was. We were like, this book is so good. And you were like, okay, I was like, it's, okay. it's fine. Yeah, it's I was like, book. this is nice. <laughs> um, but this was sort of the turning point where I realized this is this is a book that's for me too, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, and what she says, this is also on page 259. I already read a quote from 259, but... Kindle edition. Kindle edition. <laughs> Trademark. Sponsor us. <laughs> Sponsor us, Kindle. Please sponsor us. (laughs) Um, It says, uh, this is talking about womanhood, uh, and it says, it is a subject on which nothing final can be known. The subject Mill had in mind was the nature of woman. Mill claimed that women have been coaxed, cajoled, shoved, and squashed into a series of feminine contortions for so many centuries that it is now quite impossible to define their natural abilities or aspirations. Blood rushed to my brain. 
I felt an animating surge of adrenaline, of possibility, of a frontier being pushed outward. Of the nature of women, nothing final can be known. Never had I thought, found such comfort in a void. In the black absence of knowledge, it seemed to say, whatever you are, you are woman. Mm. And oh, that, like, yeah, like, it makes me very emotional to think about this, but um, it actually, it, it puts to words something that I've, I've thought about for a long time, um, which is like, how, how do we know if our aspirations of women um, or as women come from tr- our true nature um, or if they're from something that we've been told that we must be or that we've been told is the nature of, of being a woman. Um, and, and then even if we rebel against that nature that we've been, uh, that's been placed upon us, then uh, how do we know if that's just an act of defiance trying to go against the grain or if, if that's our true nature? It, <laughs> it almost makes me really sad uh, because there's been so much put onto womanhood that it's hard to even know what it really is Mm -hmm. anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, it, yeah, that's something that I've, I've sort of wrestled with for a long time where, um, with things like marriage or having children, um, I feel like there's a part of me that wants to, uh, say no to those things out of defiance, Mm -hmm. say, uh, I don't, I don't need a man. I don't need children because, uh, I don't want to do what's what's been told to me that I should do, mm. but then part of me is like, well, am I am I just rejecting this out of out of the for the sake of rejecting stubbornness? It? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was that was actually that's probably my mm-hmm. my favorite part of the book is when yeah. she starts talking about that, and um, that was the point where I was I was sold. <laughs> yeah, facing the void and pioneering your own path—that's what womanhood is. That is what woman being is, actually. And that, I mean, it's really beautiful. One thing I do think of when you said that is she talks about being shoved and cajoled and put into a form. And I'm like, if you want to check out our episodes on modesty, part one and two, those are just physical manifestations of a a more general reality for Mm -hmm. women is... You know, a corset or weird shoes that your feet are tiny in China or, you know, any of these things. Mm-hmm. Women have been dealing with that forever. It's like, yeah. you go here and fit into this mold and, you know, wait for further instruction. And that passage says, you know what? That mold doesn't have to be the mold. It can be. And for some women it will be. But But your mold is that. Your mold is is the the destiny that God has carved out for you and he he made women to be powerful mm. yeah. and uh, I, agree. I think if we look at women in the Bible we'll see that that's incredibly true Some yeah. kick-ass ladies yeah and look at women now like why would God fill us with opinions and perspectives and and the power that we do possess if it wasn't for us to use it mm-hmm. yeah absolutely absolutely um, so ladies, what are your closing thoughts on Educated? Go read it. <laughs> I mean, read the book, buy the book for your mom, your sister. Your I wife, bought it for my mom, your wife. actually. She before, did. Before I ever read it, I bought it for my mom, gave it to her for Christmas. She loved it. It's, a, oh, it's an I excellent Christmas gift. Like any woman in your life, any man in your life, 
it, it, I mean, just a riveting story. Yes. Go by yeah. the book. That's my yes. closing statement. It's so good. And it shows, it, it names a lot of things that I think society has left unnamed. Yes. And it shows a lot of areas that um, we as, as the church, I think, should be stepping in and filling the gap. Um, and I think it's important to be aware of how easy things can move into spiritual manipulation mm-hmm. and control. Subtle. It's so subtle. And if you are not naming it, you are doing yourself and everyone else around you a disservice. So I highly recommend to go buy the book. Um, follow Tara Westover on Twitter. Um, also support your local bookstores because they are important. Mm-hmm. By used, it's sustainable. Mm-hmm. It's by Kindle. Tara Westover, if you are listening, we would love to have you on our podcast. We did email yeah. you. We did send you an email. We know you're busy. It's okay you didn't answer. This but. is a very exclusive podcast that would really help your career. We know you've it. already talked to Brene Brown and Oprah, but... <laughs> We're kind of obsessed. We are. Yeah. We are obsessed. You have great hair as well, by the way. I just On all your interviews, I've just noticed you have really nice hair. So, and teeth. By that. And just a well-rounded perspective. I love. I mm-hmm. love the way you approach things and yes. the way you navigate the gray and the way um, you recognize that things are not black and white. And uh, very welcoming. Yeah. But too. there's a story to be told in the midst of that. Yeah, it's beautiful. You welcome. You welcome story, mm-hmm. which I love. Yeah. Okay, so plugs for us. Oh yeah. Follow our Instagram <laughs> at Woman Being Podcast. You can also check out our website at www.womanbeingcommunity.com. Be sure to subscribe. Yeah. Please like, share, and subscribe. Keep yeah. commenting. For Keep the people commenting. That have been commenting. Thank uh, you. Positive or negative, like we even negative. We welcome. We welcome your perspective, and yeah. I think yeah. the more voices we have, like dissenting opinions as well, like it creates a more well-rounded, um, uh, chiseled. You chisel away at our perspective, which I think is it's, um, so, it's good. so good. So, yeah, it's so important to yeah. have all voices at the table and um it gives us an opportunity to um think how we respond to those things and Mm -hmm. i think that's so important yeah and it helps our algorithm (laughs) it's good for the algorithm but for all the women beings out there cheers cheers to you